Hey mom friend, it is that time of the year where everyone is getting sick or you are at the point in your pregnancy that you need a little additional support to keep you powering through. So you are looking at an alternative called homeopathy, but you are a little confused on where to start, how to use it, how it actually works, and possibly have some concerns when using it during your pregnancy, for birth, and with your family. Well, girl, I got you today because not only have I been using it for nine years, but today I have a lovely friend of mine, Jessica Bingaman, here to clear the air for you on homeopathy and to bring you some ease to your mind while you are using them. Jessica is a wise seasoned mother who has been using homeopathy for many years and truly has and continues to wear so many hats. She is a retired certified professional midwife, was a Le Leche League leader for over 10 years, has given classes on traditional remedies, homeschooled all of her children from preschool through high school graduation, and is a sourdough enthusiast. She even has owned a restaurant with her family. By golly, she is amazing and such a super mom and superwoman. So as a mother, Jessica has been often compelled to chart her own course, much like most of us today. She chose to birth naturally, nurse longer than cultural norm, homeschooled, and use traditional remedies over Western medicine when possible, and when it was not really common to do any of those things. Throughout her years, she often wished that there was someone to coach her through her alternative choices and just listen while she processed on how she should walk through the next stage of her parenting. Jessica turned that into a passion to take all that she learned and sometimes and struggled to put into practice and used it to support other mamas and their growing families. She provides coaching for families from preconception, birth planning, parenting, and to trauma, anxiety, and inner child work. And some of the free resources that she has for these growing families, as well as her services, are all available on bloominggenerations.com and on her Bloom Online blog, which are both linked in the description of this podcast. This episode, as you will see, is as real as it gets. You will hear real mom life happening in the background. (laughs) I'm not here to apologize for it, but I'm simply preparing you. Instead of spending a ton of time trying to make it sound like life with four kids with just one on the cusp of six months is peaceful and quiet, I've just decided to let it be and be transparent. I hope by doing that, that it encourages you to know that it doesn't take a high degree to learn these things and to learn how to make an informed decision for you and for your family. Because that is who we are today, just two regular moms who are just sharing what they know and have learned through motherhood. Jessica is truly a treasure and has so much wisdom to learn from. Even just by talking with her today, I learned so much, which is why I'm so excited to have her on the podcast today for you. But before we get started, as it is stated in all the descriptions of each episode of this podcast, any information or referenced education shared on this podcast is not to be taken as medical advice or a personal medical diagnosis. Neither Jessica or myself are medical professionals. Therefore, in this episode, we are not offering any medical advice. All material shared is based on public evidence and mine and Jessica's own personal opinion and experience. Also on our own research and is subject to change to any recent research and data. It is also not a one-size-fits-all. If you have any questions or concerns about any information that is mentioned, please speak with your healthcare provider for further investigation. Okay, let's get started. 
Hey mama, welcome to Simplify Birth and Motherhood. I am Amanda. I am a wife and mom of four. I have had a hospital birth, unexpected C-section, a few home births, and now I am a birth advocate, childbirth educator, and your cheerleader in the toughest hood of them all, motherhood. Do you wish you knew what options were available to you when becoming a new mom or adding more to the mix? Are you ready to nurture and build up your mom gut so you can be more confident, educated, and bold? In this podcast, you will begin to understand, find support, and turn knowledge into power through education and resources for pregnancy, childbirth, postpartum, and for the early years of motherhood. If you are ready to get clarity to empower your birth and motherhood journey, then throw up your unbrushed hair, hike up your high-waisted pants because, sister, (laughs) I know you are wearing them. Put the baby in the ergo and let's start feeding our God-given mom guts. See you inside. Okay, well, we are talking about homeopathy. This is probably one of my favorite topics to talk about. I have been using homeopathy for a very long time. I was introduced to it by a friend of mine and knew nothing about it and almost was kind of like confused, but I am really excited to talk about this topic. Uh, Why don't you go go ahead and say hello, Jessica, just let everybody know like that you're here and you're ready to uh, share all your knowledge. Hi, I'm Jessica Bingaman. I'm so excited to be here. I've been using homeopathy with my family for, I don't know, 25 years. So I am super, super excited to dive into this topic and share how you can use it with your family. Yeah. I'm when I had heard your interview on another podcast, um, no better do better with Anna McLeans. And I was just so blown away by some of the most simple things that you could use for, any like um, just ailments like owies and all the I was just so amazed and so when I was thinking about doing this topic I immediately had you in mind because there is a lot of misconceptions about Okay. Let's backtrack a little bit. Okay. Just because we have some little voices in the background. Of course. Okay. Okay. So, so, so I had heard your interview with on no better, do better with autumn McLean's. And I was just so blown away by some of the most simple things that I would have never thought would have been so helpful Mm -hmm. in times that we're like, oh man, we have an owie. What do we do? Or we, we have this illness happening. What are some things that we can assist our children to better support them? And when I initially had thought about doing this um, topic on our podcast, there are just so many misconceptions when it comes to homeopathy and a lot of people in particularly 
nobody who's ever used them before are really leery about using them because one, they don't know what they really are. Um, two, when they think of something that comes from a plant, they automatically think like, oh, that's not safe because it comes from a plant and it's, you know, or in this form, I'm afraid to do X, Y, and Z because I don't, we're so used to different side effects of different, like over the, over the counter drugs. We're so used to that. So when we think about homeopathy, we think about, well, what are, what's going to be the effects of these things on my family that are, I'm a little weary about. So if you could just tell us a little bit about what homeopathy is and what does this all include? Yes. So homeopathy functions under the philosophy that like cures like. So uh, doctor, I'm going to, I'm have to read his name off because it's a long one. Uh, in the 1800s, Dr. Samuel Christian Friedrich Heinemann, I think I said that right, uh, got this notion <laughs> that he observed within his medical practice that if you used a diluted form of a substance that caused an illness that that diluted form would sort of complete the healing cycle and cause a cure in a sick person. So if you give it belladonna in it's uh, actually poisonous <laughs> and uh, raw form causes fever in people and in its extremely diluted form, it actually causes fevers, uh, to complete their cycle and, uh, and then to diminish, which is an interesting, it's a really interesting part of homeopathy in that rather than addressing a, a symptom and stopping the symptom, the homeopathic remedies actually assist the body in finishing what it started. And so it, it really, really is a, a different approach and uh it it's it's a much more functional approach a much more whole i don't like to say holistic because that is one of those words like free range that doesn't mean anything anymore but whole body whole system whole mind body uh soul uh, approach so homeopathics come most commonly in sugar pellets that you put under your tongue but they also are in ointment preparations. They come in gels. There's some drops and creams. And then there are also some tablets that uh, are, are harder than the, uh, than the little pellets. The pellets uh, dissolve under the tongue really, really quickly. The tablets take a little bit longer. Um, there's two other things that I want to talk about that are sort of in this department also. And that those are cell salts or tissue salts. And uh, mm -hmm. they, they look like homeopathy and they work in a very similar way as homeopathy, but they are made of inorganic, uh, not organic supplements. They're minerals. And, uh, but also in the very diluted form and immediately absorbable by the body so that, um, if someone's constitution shows that that they need a, a quick influx of of a certain uh, mineral, then they work very very quickly. And they are talked about in my favorite book, 
um, on a lot of, a lot of the remedies that I used on the no better, do better podcast with autumn come from gentle, gentle healing for your baby and child. Um, this was like my, my go-to book when my kids were little and I didn't have anyone to help me along with these kinds of things. And there certainly were no podcasts 30 years ago. <laughs> so I was just kind of like <laughs> the, the lone journey person out trying to figure out what to do. Uh, and in this book, she also talks about Bach flower remedies. Cell salts are from the same German um, background philosophy. Uh, Bach flower remedies are flower essences. And I love them as a compliment to homeopathy because they address emotional um, dysregulation instead of uh, oh, wow. body dysregulation. And uh, the a- Andrea Candy and David Andrusia Andrew b- talk about Bach flower remedies in gentle healing um, for your baby and child, along with using cell salts. She she really focuses on cell salts, and then you and I have the same. Uh, book uh about homeopathic medicine the same favorite which is just homeopathic mm-hmm. medicine at home this is the best little book and if this was a videoed podcast i would show you that my book is literally falling apart because and especially falling apart on certain pages where i opened it um thousands and thousands of times over the years <laughs> um but we'll get to <laughs> we'll get to to doing research later in the, in the podcast, but those two books together and the complement of homeopathic remedies, uh, tissue salts or cell salts and block block flower remedies really complement the, uh, home pharmacy that I talked about in autumn's podcast. Yeah. I love that book. That book was given to me as a gift before I even had children and the, my friend who I was mentioning earlier who introduced me to homeopathy, she said, she's like, this is going to be probably your most used book if you're going to use homeopathy with your family, if this is something that you really want to implement as a part of your medicine cabinet um, as a good resource to look and just to be able to guide you and to help you understand. And so I love that book so much. And like you, I've referenced that book so many times because although it does not have a list of everything, it has the most common things in there, which I think is great because it's not just an exhausted list that you're like, well, I don't know what really to look for. And it's was it's such a good resource for families. So I, I, you're listening. This is, that is a great, and I'll have a link to that book in the description. So even if you just start with this book, it is amazing. And there's so many other books out there now that talk more about homeopathy and, you know, how to use it and just so many good, good tools and resources in regards to this particular topic. So yeah, I love that book so much. But it was funny how you mentioned Belladonna because Belladonna, I think all of us know, Belladonna is like one of those homeopathy that has just kind of been almost banned. And it's to me, it's really interesting because why it was banned is not even what it's capable of doing. Meaning you had talked about it causes fevers. The actual plant does that, where if it's diluted, 
it counteracts it. And, you know, but the reason why they banned it was just such like Belladonna doesn't even do that. So it was really as a mom, Belladonna is used for so many different things, not just particularly when it comes to children and infants. And I like, that's probably one of the main ones I have in my medicine cabinet is Belladonna because of how just in general, it's such a helpful uh, homeopathy method that is just really great for, you know, for just as a woman, as a mom, as, you know, any, as an adult, it's just really good to use sometimes. So I thought that was interesting when you had said, you know, it does that, but I'm like, Hmm, it was banned for reasons that it's not even capable of doing. So it's kind of, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but, um, what is someone for someone who hasn't used it before? How do you use it? And how does it work? And what are some things to keep in mind while you're using it? Sure. So I really, really like single use pellets. If you start delving into this uh, topic, researching what's out there, if you go to your local health food store, there's going to be at at my, I was just at Clark's yesterday. That's my go-to. And, um, there, there will be a wall <laughs> of all of these single little tubes. Highlands comes in little bottles of pellets and Boreon comes in little tubes. And so there'll just be a wall of all of these remedies with super obscure names like Pulsatilla and Pufia and uh, Coculus. And I mean, just all these super confusing things. And then there are all of these bright, shiny packages that say aches and pains and sore throat and earache and, uh, oh, I, you know, it, all of them, colds, flu. But if you take those bright, shiny packages off the shelf, then I think that the, the um, producers of these products are sort of I don't know if they're forced to produce them, but they are the the market drives what is uh, what is produced and created. What you'll notice on the package of these is that there are multiple homeopathic preparations in each one. And I'm going to tell you why I don't like those. <laughs> the- okay, because I'm curious, because when you mention Highlands, and Highlands is actually more known for things like that, and where right. Boron, like you had mentioned, is more of the single. And single. so, right. particularly when we have done them with our children, mm-hmm. we normally go for the Highlands, not yes. with the single Highlands, like Nux Vomica and things like that. But sometimes they are in a mixture form, like what you had talked about, but because the Highland ones are Mo- they dissolved a lot faster, faster than the boron ones. Yes. We've used those. Yes, exactly. And so we've used those more with the children because it's like, it's not something that's kind of like hanging around in their mouth, but just kind of like, you know, in the mouth, we're done. Right. Um, so I'm curious to why you don't like the mixture of some of those together. It's, it's not that I don't like them. It's just that I feel like oh. it is just a... It's such an expression of our fast paced culture that we just want to kind of throw some mud at the wall and see what sticks. And the combo remedies sort of skirt around the idea of constitution and vital force. 
So, so some of the principles of homeopathy are that a very specific remedy based on the constitution of the person who is out of balance or ill uh, is is what is going to help them. So I'm going to give you an example. This is this is taking a rabbit trail on the answer to the question, but I will circle back. <laughs> so um, I'm going to go on a page in my notes here. So let's say that we were treating a pregnant woman with a, with a headache. Okay. If that pregnant woman with a headache couldn't turn her mind off after some sort of mental strain, like studying, then the remedy next vomica would be the, the appropriate preparation for her. She would use our if she was sleepless because she had some anxiety and worry, which certainly pregnant women have now and then. Uh, Coculus. Yeah, I was going to say that's, that's pretty common. (laughs) That's pretty common. Coculus, uh, is the remedy for when you've been like scurrying around and, and getting your nightly duties, you know, you've put your home to bed, you got the dishes done, the kids are in bed and you, you got out what you needed for tomorrow. You looked at your calendar and then you get in bed and you're like staring at the ceiling because, your your brain is still racing. So coculus would be the remedy for that that not being able to to switch gears feeling. Uh coffee is the remedy for when you're sleepless because you've been too excited. I call it a joy hangover. If you go or, and that's a, an Oprah quote. It, I did not make that up. But when you have a joy <laughs> hangover, you like go to a concert or you go out dancing or you've, you know, hosted a beautiful dinner party at your house, there was music or, or even, I mean, this happens at my house, even if sometimes if we've had a really, really long day and there's a lot of dishes, we'll turn on uh, a playlist that, and we like dance through the dishes and it keeps us going and everybody's being silly and making jokes and all of that. But then you go lay down in bed and you're like, um, whoa, I am way too happy to fall asleep right now. Then, and, and sort of high, right. That like the good high feeling. Um, so the coffee is the remedy for that temperament. And this is an illustration of how light cures like, it's like the perfect illustration of that because caffeine in coffee riles us up, but the, mm-hmm. the diluted, yeah. uh, substance in a homeopathic form actually completes that cycle and allows you to fall asleep. And then the last one is uh, pulsatilla and that sleeplessness from looping thoughts, which is different than anxiety, right? And so there's that fine difference Mm -hmm. in the constitution and the temperament of the person who is feeling uh, out of balance. And each one of those remedies fits just a key, just into the right lock to help your body to regain balance, right? So mm-hmm. if you go to your local um, nutrition center, your local health food store, it is highly likely that what you will find is a sleep remedy that has one of each of those in them. And st- so it's, you know, sleep, go sleep calm, whatever homeopathy, it's going to have some nux vomica. It's going to have some arsenica. It might have some pulsatilla. It's going to have some coculus, right? And one of them will work. 
So there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that you don't learn anything from it. So if you are yeah. someone who is interested in this as a topic, it it actually is a learning experience every time you dose a single remedy and see what the effect of it is in the f- particular constitution. And, you know, it, it might be a far stretch to say that a busy mom is going to stop and take notes about what happened. Uh, that that's probably, you know, untenable <laughs> in a, in a busy world, but um, it just depends on how passionate you are about learning this. So if you, if you're not super interested in this as a topic, use the, the remedies that have more than one, uh, one substance in them. If you are, are not, if you don't, if you care a lot about learning this as, as a, um, sort of like as a way of living, then, then we just need to like slow down a little bit Mm -hmm. and give one single remedy. Just wait a little while, see what happens, observe and and then maybe try something else. And this is this goes along with right. part of culture uh, that our culture promotes. That if you have a headache, you need to figure out how to make yourself feel better immediately. Get rid of the headache. But when you are treating your family from this more uh, gentle approach, it's okay to slow down and to, to, to move through a process that gives you more information each time. So, and then you, you were also asking about how, if, if you're brand new, how to use these. So they're very easy to use. However, there are a couple of little rules. So one rule is that homeopathics don't interact with things like antibiotics and other drugs because they are working in the body in such a different way that they're just not even, uh, they're not even in the same room of the house as far as what kind of response they are um, prompting in the body. But They are disrupted by strong flavors, smells, by oils. And so they need to be stored separately. Like if you're you're an essential oil user or you have a bunch of lovely natural cleaning products in your your cabinet, but they have oils in them like lemon or orange to make them smell delicious or vinegar, uh, those things have a really strong overpowering essence to them and your homeopathy just like in a different room put it I used to always just uh, I had my little uh boron container that with the 28 basic remedies in it um and I just kept it in my underwear drawer because I always ended up using it in the middle of the night when somebody wasn't feeling well (laughs) and so it was closer to me than like in the kitchen but it was also away from anything that had any kind of uh, strong smell to it. And um, the the other thing is the application of it. And that is that uh, when you remove it from its little 
container. So Highlands, uh, when you're removing it from the container, you would tap the pellets out into the cap and then use the cap to put those pellets directly under your or your child's tongue so that they will melt. And uh, boron comes in a tube that you twist and you just you twist until you have three or four little pellets in the cap and uh, you can put those under your tongue. If you if Highlands doesn't have the single remedy that you're looking for and you and you want to use boron pellets, but they don't uh, dissolve as fast, it's totally fine to crush them between two spoons. You can also put them in a little water. I would crush them first because they'll dissolve faster and then use a little like a little tincture um, doser to put them uh, in your child's mouth or under their tongue. So, uh, because you're right when you were saying that, um, the boron ones are harder to get down that the remedies do need to stay in your mouth because the point is that they are absorbed by the mucous membranes. Uh, and so if you're, if your child is immediately swallowing the harder, tiny pellets in the boron form, then it's probably not going to work as well. So, but you can just crush them in a spoon. I have little Demita spoons. And <laughs> when I was on Autumn's podcast, she was like, okay, I have to stop you. What's a Demita spoon? <laughs> but you know, these little tiny spoons that we use to like stir a cappuccino, uh, those are really great for dosing all kinds of remedies. And you can just tap your pellets out into the spoon and crush them. Even the Highlands ones, crush them into a smaller uh, into smaller grains before you give them to a child that won't, can't take the instruction to keep them under their tongue or won't remember, you know, a three-year-old, you're mm-hmm. going to say like, okay, oh, keep it under your tongue. And they'll do They'll help you. They'll like <laughs> their tongue up in the uh, top of their mouth and then they'll swallow and chew and all of those things. <laughs> so crushing them is, is a nice little tip. Yeah, no, I remember when I was like first starting out and that was like one of the main advice that I was given, like, do not put them in your hands. You need to put them out. Like if you're going to get them out, put them inside the cap, take them out with the cap and then, you know, put them in the mouth because something about it activating the, um, it activates it through like touch or something like that. And so I just, that was one of the recommendations that was given to me the first time when I was doing it. I was like, okay, well, how am I going to do that? But you kind of, you learn, like you said, the boron ones, you twist it and it goes into the cap. You just dump it in the mouth. And so, um, but I love how you had mentioned about it doesn't counteract with antibiotics because that's something that I feel like is a little bit why people are, they don't want to try them or feel like they can't try them because it's like, well, I'm already on antibiotics. Or if I end up having to use antibiotics and I've already used this, like what is, how is this going to affect me or how, like what will happen to me or what will happen to um, my child if we end up doing this? And so, but it was interesting to me that you had mentioned that 
they are sometimes sensitive when it comes to scents because when for a while, I mean, essential oils were like huge and people were using, you know, the different brands of essential oils. And I feel like they are great in certain cases, you know, but um, when you're using them with homeopathy through the pellets and things like that, I did not realize that it was like, oh, it has, it tends to counteract with the smell and how intense it is. Like you'd mentioned vinegar and things like that. So that's really great to know because I'm sure anybody who's listening has, you know, some type of essential oils is just how common they are. And so even using them in ways, homeopathy with oils, like kind of like, Hey, just to keep this in mind, you're using two of them together. You know, it could potentially do that. So I love how you mentioned that. And that was fascinating to me because I never would have thought that at all. You know, I've been using it for years. (laughs) I just would have never thought that. It's 15, it's 15 minutes before and 15 minutes after that these things. So the storage issue is you don't want like tea tree oil sitting in the cabinet next to your homeopathy, right? Because you might get some on the outside of it and then you end up sort of like cross-contaminating. As far as like practical use, you don't want your child or you to eat or drink anything 15 minutes before and 15 minutes after dosing with homeopathic pellets, particularly the ointments and things are a little bit different because they're being absorbed into the skin. I don't think that using a diffuser would be a problem. Although if you wanted to turn your diffuser off for 30 minutes and turn it back on, uh, I I don't think it would be a bad thing, Uh, but it's more about, about the two contacting each other. And this also brings up something that this is my theory that I have developed over 30 years of parenting. And I never even really looked it up to see if, uh, if there's research about this, but I have noticed that everything works better. All remedies work better when we, uh, you, when we give the body a chance to, to, to absorb and use one thing at a time. So I'm, I really, really love herbal infusions like nettles and red clover and things like that. I don't like to mix my nettles and red clover in one infusion jar. I would rather drink the nettle infusion and see, see how my body responds to that. And then tomorrow try the red clover and see how my body responds to that. Uh, then just sort of, again, throw mud at the wall. Cause I think that, that our bodies need time to like recognize and then utilize these different things. And so from that perspective, like if you were using essential oil or if you were putting a, a remedy for uh fever is to take soaked um, tea towels or washcloth um, soaked with vinegar and, and warm water and put them on the, the soles of your feet and then put socks over them and the vinegar draws uh, the fever down to the trunk, which makes the child more comfortable. I actually prefer potatoes over that one. Potato is the alternative to the vinegar. But if I were going to be using the vinegar and I was also going to use a homeopathic remedy like Madonna or Pulsatilla for a fever, I would not have the vinegar on the child's feet and be dosing them with a pellets at the same time. 
because I would want to see which one was working better. Uh, so I would, would maybe do the, the vinegar, leave them on for an hour, uh, let the child rest that way, watch a movie or something, and then take it off, rinse it off, feed off, get the vinegar out of the room, and then try a homeopathic pellet. See which one works better, right? Uh, we, yeah. we get so right. freaked out that our, our children are sick. That we're like, okay, I'm just going to do all, everything all at once. We do it with supplements too. It's like, yeah. if I'm supposed to be taking quercetin and vitamin D and vitamin C and zinc and liver capsules. And then we just put that stuff all in our hand all at the same time and try to, you know, swig it down one big gulp of water. But then your body is just like, whoa, <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do with all of that? But if you take them a few throughout the day, then it's it's a little at a time and your body can then individually recognize each one of the elements that you're trying to to uh, give that that give it the material to heal. So. Again, my- yeah, and I think part of the problem, too. <laughs> Well, part of the problem too, I feel like you had mentioned, you know, people just aren't willing to give it time. And I feel like sometimes if it's not working fast enough, people are like, it doesn't work. And it's like, well, you had mentioned everything is like, like there's little tiny details that sometimes we have to pay attention to in order to hit it on the nail. And a lot of times it just takes time. And, but two, the whole you know, 15 minutes before, 15 minutes after, I mean, it has to be, let's see how this works out. Let's see how that, it just takes time. And I feel like if it doesn't, that's why a lot of people are literally also too about using it because it's like, well, I need to, we need to fix this right now. You know, and a lot of times that plays into our emotions because we are freaked out that our child, I mean, a lot of people are freaked out when their child has a slight fever and it's like, it's, people freak out. So they want the best possible scenario or a best possible solution to fix the problem. And so it just, that's why people are like, well, homeopathy, I don't use it because it just doesn't, I used it and it didn't work. And it's like, well, we have to understand that there are little details that go into getting it right. And like you had mentioned, it just takes time to study that and it takes time to trial and error. And this is why, you know, Sometimes when we use it, I'm like, okay, if this doesn't work, I don't have to worry about it having any big side effects. Meaning like if it doesn't work within like the next couple hours or even within the hour or something, like I don't see anything. If I'm considering something else, I don't have to worry about it like counteracting each other to where it's going to cause some damage to myself or to, you know, whoever I'm, you know, whoever we're using it for. And, um, that's why I love it. Cause I'm like, well, if this doesn't work, then we can just try this. And, yeah. but if you get it you wrong, know, you just try to worry about it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. Cause, Cause I think that those are some of the concerns that people have is like, you know, um, especially somebody who has like young children, you know, they're like, well, I don't want to use it because I'm afraid that if it doesn't work, I can't do anything else. Like, it's almost like I'm SOL in a sense. Like I tried this and it didn't work, but I can't do anything else because this person has this in their system. So I can't really do that. And so my other question is like, what are some common concerns that you've heard from families that give them a little bit of a hesitation when it comes to homeopathy? 
And can you use them with some over-counter medicine if it doesn't work out or antibiotics? Like what is your recommendation? What, is, what has been your experience when using them? I love this question. I love it because it brings up a, con- a concept that just always makes me laugh. Uh, we we can go back to the to the teething tac- tablets debacle of two thousand seventeen. <laughs> um, so homeopathy is just misunderstood by Western Westerners and by our Western symptom approach. Uh, we, we approach the body and our medicine approaches the body in very singular parts. So you have fingers, you have eyeballs, you have a heart, you have feet, you have a pancreas, you have a uterus. And it's in, in our culture, if you have foot pain, you go to the podiatrist. If you have a heart problem, you go to the cardiologist. So we separate all of this out. And that's just talking about the, the body. That's not taking into account our emotional state. It's not taking into account our mental state. But we are actually a, a whole organism. And every element in our organism contributes to the health and the balance of the other elements. So during, during this whole thing about the teething tablets and the belladonna, everybody was saying that the teething tablets were toxic because belladonna is, uh, is poisonous in its raw form. Right. But then if you go on the internet and you look up information about homeopathy and of course the, the top search, uh, results are probably negative. I haven't looked lately, but you know, they, you're going to get the very, very Western, uh, information. So, so what is it then? It are homeopathics toxic or are they useless? Right. Because it, the the search results usually say it's useless. They say that, that, homeopathic pellets are just sugar pills and that they don't do anything. Uh, but then they, there are other articles that say, Oh my gosh, arsenicum is made from arsenic. (gasps) That arsenic is toxic. Right. And so it just makes me laugh because which is it people? Is it toxic or useless? Toxic or useless toxic or like we just, it's like ping pong. This is because our system just absolutely doesn't understand how it works at all. We don't, we don't come from a place of understanding vital force. We don't come from a place of understanding constitution. Uh, so each homeopathic, uh, remedy, they come in, in different, uh, strengths. And those strengths are actually dilutions. So um, the the way that the numbers line up, it sort of looks like if you got a 200C pellet, that it would be stronger than a 30C pellet. But the in homeopathy, the more dilution of the original substance, the stronger the dose, not the less dilution, the stronger the dose. 
And that's kind of mind bending for us because, you know, if, if you take two ibuprofen or you take four ibuprofen, four ibuprofen are stronger, right? So it just goes against everything that we know. And so what's, what's important is that if this is interesting to you, if this is something that you, you want to learn about, you've got to know your sources. You've got to go and research the materials, starting with a very simple book, like the one that we talked about, and then, you know, have a support system of people that can give you support, even just a cheerleader that says, oh, you're trying that today. Good for you. Uh, but if you, if you go and ask a, uh, a, per, a Western medical doctor, if homeopathy is good, they're either going to say that it's poisonous or that it is useless because they're not taught that way. And we absolutely cannot fault them for that. Uh, they, they are a product of the educational system that they were forced if they wanted to be doctors in our culture to participate in there. There isn't another way to enter that system. And, uh, and so it's not their fault right. that they don't understand it. It's not their fault at all. Right. Uh, there are homeopathy. It's like they just been taught to do that. You know what I mean? Like they're just taught to do that. Like, exactly. What else? You know, they're you can't blame to- somebody who's taught to do that. You know, they're taught to separate the body into parts and to disregard the mind body connection. And so they are, they're just doing what they know. Uh, you know, you can, you can go to a homeopath and I love telehealth. There, there are some things that have come of uh, the pandemic and all of that, that are really, really positive. And that is that even just 10 years ago, if you wanted to see a natural path that had an emphasis on homeopathy or to see a homeopath and there wasn't one in your area, you know, you might have to cross states to find a practitioner that would help you through something more serious that you didn't feel comfortable uh, just kind of doing this trial and error process that we've been talking about. That's not true anymore. Uh, You can always find a practitioner that can meet with you just like you and I are meeting right now on a Zoom meeting and we can even see each other, you know, and and there's always pictures sent (laughs) from phones too. So there's a right. lot of support out there for this now that you don't have to go it along like I was talking about having to do back in the day because we can connect across even countries in the way that you and I are are connecting right now. So it's really it's really wonderful. Yeah, no, I feel like it's grown so much. I think just even the awareness and just knowing that there is an alternative and whether it is, you know, in your own personal life or your family's life, there are other alternatives. And like you had mentioned, you know, when we talk about doctors and, you know, the Western medicine and, you know, how they're in some way kind of saying that, no, it's not safe. It's like, well, they're kind of just being taught like that. And to unlearn that is really, it's only something that's been, can be done if it's like a self motivation to do it. Like meaning they, they know that people are using it and they know that, Oh, Hey, 
this seems interesting to me. I'm seeing some improvements in these areas. I'm going to almost like unlearn what I've known about medicine or about, you know, helping people and supporting the body and things like that, because it's just, it has come such a long way. Even my eldest, he's, you know, eight. And I was introduced to this probably a year or two before he was born. And it was, it's grown so much. And just to be able to use it as an alternative, you can find it in so many different places. And so I love that. I love how people are using it more often and people are understanding like, Hey, there is an alternative because in pregnancy and childbirth and everything like that, you know, I feel like as moms, there's so many things that we can't do to help ourselves. Meaning like we can't take aspirin in the first couple weeks of our pregnancy right. because it, you know, has all these effects with it. And so it's like, just to know that there's something else that can help us that is support supporting our body and that is working with our body versus like against it or something that's going to cause, you know, um, damages in some way that are, you know, um, irre- irreversible in some is Absolutely. what I'm trying to convey here. And so I feel like when it comes to homeopathy and birth and everything like that, what are some ways that we could use it that are, I I want to use this word very lightly because um, we're not medical professionals here um, and we can't necessarily say that things heal or, you know, don't heal or we can't say things like that because we aren't medical professionals here and we aren't, um, you know, trained in this particular area. We just only train through experience. But what are some things that we can use during our pregnancy that are homeopathic but also helps support us in the times where we need it. Yes. So I'm, I'm not necessarily going to give specific remedies per se, but I want to talk about how to, to do this during pregnancy or with our, uh, our children. Um, I, I did give the example of the, the um, sleeplessness, but, but there's nausea, right? There is um, feeling worn out and tired. Uh, even mm-hmm. having I, headaches, I will, migraine. headaches. Oh, headaches. Yes. Um, I will give this one example. Um, pulsatilla is a remedy that is often used to help babies get into the correct position for birth. Uh, even helping assist in turning breech babies. And, uh, so there are remedies for all of the things. And that brings me wow. to this point that I was thinking about, um, just a minute ago while you were talking. And that is that at one of these other language things is that word alternative. I feel like language is so important. And when, um, when I was nursing all of my kids and, and, uh, was a allegedly leader and all of that. Everybody used this word called extended breastfeeding. And at some point I had this like little light bulb moment that extended sort of meant like, like it was not wrong, but weird maybe. And so I started saying sustained breastfeeding because I was just continuing something that I had been doing for as long as it was positive for me and my child. And I think alternative, while in its actual definition, 
is the exact right way to express these other ways of, of creating balance in the body and healing it. That word has gotten a bad rap. It, it's kind of like uh, alternative approaches. I roll. Right. And uh, I think it's really important to, to point out that these things that we're talking about are, are actually just another completely valid approach to imbalance in the body. So yes, they are an alternative. They can be a better alternative. For example, in the beginning of pregnancy, if you have a headache and you don't want to use over-the-counter medicine for that, it is a great alternative Mm -hmm. to that uh, over-the-counter medicine, but it is also its own completely valid approach to caring for you and your headache, right? And if we just shift our perspective a little bit like that, and we look at it as a, as a whole body of information, a whole, a whole way of, of helping, then it doesn't, it just, it just changes the, the tone of it a little bit. And a lot of, a lot of midwives and naturopaths go to homeopathy and herbs and nutritional uh, remedies first because they don't have all of the side effects. So if a woman has a bladder infection, let's say during pregnancy, um, that can actually be very dangerous because a bladder infection, you know, between 20 and 30 weeks of pregnancy can, if not addressed, can cause early labor. It's nothing to play around with because the the bacteria in the bladder um, and the con- contractions of the bladder because of the infection, that bladder is right there by the uterus and it can cause the uterus to contract. In fact, I had one of those during my first pregnancy and uh, ended up in the hospital thinking I was going to have my baby early because I was having timeable, regular contractions. And, uh, and then I found out that I just had a bladder infection. And when the bladder infection was treated, then the contraction stopped, you know, a little miracle. (laughs) Yeah. However, those antibiotics that were given to me then disrupted my gut microbiome and I ended up with a yeast infection. And so then I had to take some more medicine for the yeast infection and that yeast, the, that the yeast infection situation continued into my postpartum period and made my postpartum period not as easy because I was constantly dealing with that too, as if the blood and the nipples and the, all of that wasn't enough. I was constantly monitoring whether or not my, the yeast infection was gone or if it was sneaking back in and I had to do something about it. And so giving the antibiotics does do the thing of stopping the bladder infection so that you don't have the contractions that can be dangerous before you are term. But if it also mm-hmm. is causing the side effect of the uh, gut microbiome stripped of good bacteria, which are incredibly necessary for our baby's gut microbiome health during birth, then there's that huge trade-off there. It's not a small trade-off. It's a huge trade-off. And so a, a midwife would uh, go to these other things beforehand to see if 
we could use homeopathy, if we could use naturopathic remedies, if we could use nutrition to get rid of the, the bladder infection and then avoid those side effects that are to come because it affects the whole system. But if we're looking in Western medicine at uterus and gut, those two things aren't connected. And so the, the aftermath, the trade-off symptoms are just not looked at. It's like, well, another doctor is actually going to be the one that's going to address that later. And uh, so, so this is, it's such a wonderful resource to be able to have these other things to use because they don't have the big trade-offs. And again, if it doesn't work, you could take the antibiotics. You're not saying no to antibiotics. You're saying, (laughs) right. Let's give the body the ingredients that it needs to get back to health and see if that can happen. And then we'll use the antibiotics if we need them. And so, and there's, there's two little things there that I, I, um, that I want to bring up. Hi again. Thank you so much for listening to this great episode. If you had learned something today, please make sure you leave a review in Apple Podcasts and share with another mom friend. Also, pop on over to our private Facebook group, sign up for our email list, and connect with me on social media, which are all linked in the description of this podcast. I can't wait to see you over there and connect with you. Now go listen to your mom gut, because wisdom will guide you, and chances are it won't let you down. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.